Hello and welcome. My name is Shelby Cook, programmer and editor-in-chief at Film East, and today I'm joined by my fellow programmers Neve Brook, Sara Lapinova, Will Schofield, and Alex Smith to discuss the BBC miniseries In the Flesh. This segment is part of Film East, a Norwich-based young film programmers group supported by Real Connections. Just before we get started, a note to say that our conversation today will be on mental illness and the show In the Flesh itself does contain some upsetting imagery. So before you dive into our discussion or dive into the show itself, please note that there are some upsetting imagery within the show and it does discuss some sensitive topics. Before we get into the actual discussion, I just wanted to give you some plot background on In the Flesh in case you haven't seen it, and it will help to give some context to what we discussed today. So the show follows this unexplained supernatural event, which leads to everyone who had died in 2009 rising from their graves, causing a war to break out between the living and the dead. In the secluded Yorkshire village of Rorton, which is rumored to be the place of the First Risen, a human volunteer army which they call the HVF, takes up weapons to protect themselves from the flesh-eating zombies after the government abandons the smaller towns to protect larger cities. Several years into this war, the undead, now known politically by the term partially deceased syndrome sufferers, also abbreviated as PDS sufferers, are sedated and medicated at a specialized facility in Norfolk, ready to assimilate back into human society and return to the life they once lost. So the show itself follows our main character, Kieran Walker, who is a PDS sufferer who returns back to Rorton after ending his own life four years earlier. Confronted by both his unfinished business from his past life, as well as these new extreme anti-PDS hatred uh, from the villagers, Kieran is given a second chance to live the life that was tragically cut short. So along with Kieran, there are other PDS sufferers in Rorton that we follow, um, and that includes Rick Macy, who is the son of the town's most narrow-minded resident um, and the HVF leader, Bill Macy. And he was also Kieran's closeted lover before dying at war in Afghanistan. So that gives you a little bit of the premise and the background of what In the Flesh is about. And now we're going to lead our discussion onto how the show kind of subverts this idea of the science fiction narrative and really makes it into social commentary and really talking a lot about modern England and life within these small villages um, up in the north. So do enjoy the rest of our discussion. Um, In the Flesh premiered on BBC Three in 2013. um, And it was a show that was commissioned by BBC North um, as part of this sort of decentralization of the BBC. Um, where a lot of people, a lot of the BBC shows are very London centric and very focused on um, Southern England. Um, And the idea was to bring sort of Northern identities and regional equality onto the BBC screen and really have it represent uh, more of Britain than just London. Um, It was a show that was created during the time of the monster boom um, in films and TV. So At this sort of same time, you had Twilight, you had Being Human, Misfits, Teen Wolf, Vampire Diaries, um, Walking Dead. And it was sort of all of these shows that were making supernatural monsters human um, and putting them into these domestic situations um, and making them feel like real people and not just these monsters and, and the villains, which they typically are. Um, with something like Drac- Dracula or uh, what is it, a werewolf in London um, type of thing. So upon first viewing, uh, what did you guys think of the show? Um, 
because I know when I first watched it, so I saw it back or back in 2013 when it first aired and I watched it primarily because um, BBC America would only ever show Doctor Who, Top Gear or uh, Kitchen Nightmares. And so when there was something else new that was on BBC America, I had to watch it. Um, so I remember thinking when I first watched it, I, I did, wasn't into it because I wasn't into all of this like zombie supernatural um, sci-fi thing. Um, but I think it really exceeded my expectations and we're still here 10 years later talking about it. So what did everyone else think? I, I loved it. I I wasn't I hadn't done any research before I started watching it. I just dove right in and it completely like blew what I was expecting, which was basically a normal run of the mill, like The Walking Dead. You're in the apocalypse, things are going wrong, you've got to get a bat with a nail and try and kill something. And I loved that it was the aftermath and I loved how normal everything was. I it, it felt so and I, I use this word a lot or this phrase, and I don't really know what it means, but when I say it, it feels right. It felt so English. Yeah. And it felt really warm and familiar and funny because it was so familiar, especially like the, the mum character who felt like such a northern woman who was really almost timid and sweet. And I, I just adored that. It felt like I could step into that world and fit in. I actually remember when it came out. I was an avid BBC Three teenager. Uh-huh. Like being human was one of my favorite things, and I remember the ad campaign. Yeah, like his hand kind of came through. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like when you said, like, I really want to do an episode in the flesh. I just instantly remembered that hand, and I, uh-huh. I never watched the show. I was too busy watching Sunsex and Suspicious Parents to be watching yeah. in the flesh. But um, I watched it, and I, it was so unexpected how sort of the themes in the show lend themselves to greater themes. I'm sure we'll get into that later on, but the, because I remember 2013 was so, you know, like you said, Twilight and stuff, but they used the idea of a zombie to, in such a clever way that I remember watching it being like, oh my God, this is actually pretty good for BBC Three in 2013. I was really like, really invested in it. So thank you for suggesting it. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it because I generally don't care for zombie media. I do not find them remotely scary in any capacity and I feel like a majority of the pleasure is gone at that point. Um, But the first season, um, just instantly the premise, it it wasn't about zombies. It was, zombies were, um, as Neve said, they were very clearly a metaphor for these wider concepts that the creators clearly had in mind um and that's not a new thing like night of the living dead pretty much the first piece of zombie media as we'd probably know it now was a very blatant allegory for racism um and but the way it was handled in the show was so clear because it wasn't about the zombies lumbering around as horror creatures and monsters and stuff it was way more about like you guys said the the rural setting and the characters and the recognizable situations and concepts and kind of playing around with them uh and letting the viewer view these concepts through this lens and it was handled so well 
I would say that the second season, in my opinion, was a lot more flawed in that capacity. I feel it struggled um, to kind of live up, but um, I'm sure we can discuss that a bit more later. Um, I've got one more thing. Um, I, I re it really dawned on me in the first episode rather than the second or third, but I drew a lot of parallels to COVID as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I know <laughs> a zombie apocalypse is much more dramatic than COVID. <laughs> um, but it was especially in the scene where they were with the pastor in that big barn and there was a, a council representative and the anger people felt, I, it, it really struck me um, and brought out how realistic the show felt. And I know they're very different situations, but it, it still represents a very wide global shift. Um, and I was really shocked by how kind of on the head they got it. Um, especially they said um, 400,000 dead rose. And that's very similar to some of the numbers we're seeing now. And I, I think I just really enjoyed that they didn't go too far with it. They knew when to rein it back and how to keep it as realistic as possible. It just kind of really shows how... I mean, this was made in 2013 before we had ever had a global pandemic to in, in the 21st century before a lot of, you know, these race issues came up and these prejudice issues and Brexit and things like that. And it just shows how really timely and relevant, you know, people, especially in the creative industries, were trying to get across about English society and British society and the flaws in these sort of underbelly rural areas within England um, mm. that we're very much seeing come to life, um, becoming more prominent now. So it is, it's, it's, I think, a series that's very timeless. Um, so like Will said, we're going to be talking mostly about the first season, so the first three episodes. Um, there is a second season that sort of delves more into like the lore and the science fiction um, elements of it and more about like you know, sort of character development and um, why the zombies rose and these different, you know, factions of society and cults that are coming out of it. Um, instead, we're going to focus mostly just on the first season um, and sort of looking at the metaphor for the zombie. Um, so what the show is trying to convey or having, having the zombies as the subject matter. Um, so obviously in, in the series, um, the, the zombies are reassimilated back into society. So they are medicated, um, they're put into this treatment facility um, that is very similar to things you would see in uh, you know, asylums where everyone's dressed in white, they have to be uh, handcuffed so they don't get out of control, they're all sedated, medicated. And so you begin to, from the very beginning of the show, begin to get this sort of image of me mental illness or uh, like criminal illness, sort of violence. Um, what did people think about that when that first sort of idea of this very medicated state comes into play and in something that you expect it to be a zombie show, a, a show about zombies and science fiction? I'm going to go really film student and kind of quickly twist, like talk about the science fiction zombie thing. 
there's the sort of the theory of the other. We're all film students. We know what we're talking about. And usually in science fiction, the other is used to represent our fears. So it's usually the villain. But what I found really interesting about In the Flesh is that our protagonist is the other. Mm-hmm. Our fears and, you know, he can represent a lot of things. Like you said, you know, mental illness or homosexuality he can represent a lot of different things and we are viewing that other character's experience of being othered and it was a really unique perspective to view the show from and I just think what a fantastic way to twist a trope on its head and use that science fiction zombie narrative to tell such a compelling story so I think it did it really really well using the the metaphor of the zombie as so many different things yeah, I really agree with that. And I think the way it plays with that and the way it uses flashbacks for Kieran to explore that trope is really interesting because he holds so much guilt with his flashbacks. And obviously he can only start remembering certain things after he's on medication. And I think it plays really well with the idea of how experienced mental illness can distort your memory it can distort the way you perceive things and that kind of journey of him realizing and dealing with a lot of the emotional baggage the guilt and not always being completely clear about everything that's going on because it depends on when he's getting the medication and stuff that was just done like brilliantly well one thing i find that i'm just thinking about now is you guys have been talking about it from an angle of rehabilitation of um like mental illness and I think there was a brief mention of prison stuff when I watched it I was sure it was a very clear um metaphor for migrants and refugees coming in and um and their townspeople being against that but hearing your guys is talking about it it makes perfect sense looking at it from these other perspectives and like um in the kind of notes um Shelby has mentioned um, the idea of it being an HIV metaphor, and that makes complete sense too. Um, and I just I hadn't really considered how many different angles and perspectives it really works as a metaphor from. You can really kind of view it in any way, which is a really impressive feat, to be honest. Anything, it's kind of like a damning reflection of how many ostracized groups there are. Yeah, And like how many readings you can have just through this one otherness. We've all read different things and it's such a clever way to do that, that everyone can have a different experience. Like how incredible is that? Yeah, and I really like the fact that they didn't try to make them... Obviously, like a lot of the time in films or in TV, it's really common for you if if the filmmakers want you to sympathise with someone, they make them like really pretty, they make them adorable, you know, that there are certain aesthetics that go into playing with your emotions. So you then in turn emphasise with that character. And I really love that they haven't done that with, with this series. And there's a lot of that unmasking, a lot of that putting their makeup off, seeing black veins, seeing blue come through the makeup on their lips. There's a lot of the kind of... Um, quite scary looking eyes because they they look almost broken the way they did they're not just white the pupils are kind of melted um and you see a lot of that and they're like despite the fact that this person looks different to you we want you to sympathize with this character and that's just yeah it's incredible i really appreciated that especially with the dressing of kieran and i've always thought this is he just looks so abnormal even with his makeup on and I think it's I think it's his eyes because his eyes are so dark. And yeah. I don't know if that's just 
the actor's eyes are just really that brown or if they put contact lenses in to make it look like he was wearing contact lenses. But there's just something very abnormal about Kieran. And even when he's trying to put forward this facade of being human and, you know, returning to who he was before he came back and not being this other, you can still very much tell that he's not he's not the same as everyone else because his makeup is very flat. He has no color to his face in terms of like rosiness or, um, you know, different shades, like skin has different shades to it and different lights and his is just flat. Um, and he has these beating brown eyes that are just like, it, it just feels very weird and abnormal. And you can just tell that there's, he, he's trying to be something that he's not. There's yeah, that incredible don't. shot when I don't, I can't remember if he's punched or something or something happens and he loses one of his contacts and it's the one zombie eye and one brown eye. And it was such an amazing, like, that's what the show's about, you know, trying to be something that you're not and like how society views it. It was such a cool visual way to show that. It was really fantastic. Yeah. And there's a really interesting discourse in it as well with, um, kind of women and using Amy who's such an endearing funny character she's so yeah she's a really well fleshed out character and having her as you know the fun one the quirky one who's like oh I'm going all natural and not wearing makeup and then towards the end of the first season where she gets forced to put makeup on um by the guy he kind of barges into her house without her consent um and how that's dealt with and I think the discourse with that in relation to, to zombies, but also how the society treats women and how usually, you know, um, yeah, I think like there's so much just packed into that. And it's so, yeah. Oh. I think there's, there is a lot to unpack in this series. And that's obviously, even in just the first three episodes, there's a lot to unpack. And obviously that's not something we're going to be able to get to all today because we'll be talking for quite a long time, but you know, it is just, there's a lot of depth to this series and I think people really underestimated it in terms of like like we all said in the beginning you know it's marketed as a zombie show so you're expecting it to be science fiction zombie and then it just you watch and it just is completely something else one issue I felt I had with the show is that in a lot of interpretations you can look at it as like you say a commentary on queerness or race or any of these issues um but in the real world, a lot of the hostility towards these groups is completely unfounded mm-hmm. and based on stereotypes and prejudice and just not in reality. But by using zombies as metaphor, suddenly there is a foundation for these prejudices because these are people who have seen their loved ones attacked and killed and slaughtered by these literal monsters and spent ages defending themselves and now suddenly a few months later people are inviting them back into the community and you can completely understand where their hostility comes from in that respect and with certain readings like uh, criminality and to an extent mental illness you can kind of see the parallels but then with other readings like um, race and queerness and stuff it doesn't really gel almost and that was something that I kind of thought while watching it. I'd also really love to bring up, I can't for the life of me remember his name, nor his dad's, but Kieran's best friend and his dad's relationship throughout the entire three episodes was really interesting and really well done because it's that kind of 
the other metaphor told through a father and son and toxic masculinity and you know how this expectation of what a man should be Rick and Bill thank you Shelby um um how this father expects his son to be and the soldier stereotype this man's man and how he's now in this unescapable acceptance position where he is the other he can't escape from this and the dad just can't cope and then ultimately and tragically the dad murders his own son because he's so unable to accept him as who he is both as um you know coded as queer and as a zombie that's how it ends and I think it was really it's only sort of a background plot it's not one of the main themes in the show but it was really interesting to see through that zombie lens that father-son toxic masculinity relationship absolutely and I think that's the scene that kind of hit me the most um because I wasn't expecting it like I think thinking back on it obviously there was that foreshadowing and stuff but I was just enthralled in the story um, and didn't analyze it so um when it happened I was genuinely shocked by it and it really really upset me um just because he so clearly couldn't cope and I think what made it so shocking is because you have this kind of on the other hand you have Kieran and his dad's relationship and they're it's not it's not perfect because it's more English. It's a little bit more reserved. They don't talk about their feelings too much. And that's explored a little bit as well. Um, and so it's not perfect. And there, there are these weird quirks in the household when Kieran comes back and when he's pretending to eat dinner at the table with them. And it's quite uncomfortable to watch, but it's also not necessarily harmful. And it is quite funny in that, you know, English black humor way. Um, but then on the other hand, you have that very toxic relationship between Rick and, and his dad and how that's when the kind of the real issues are happening and how much you think Rick kind of, you know, he looks like the stereotypical person who's very much his own man, knows what he wants, but he's so, when he's with his dad, he just becomes like a boy and he can't um, kind of stand his ground and it's really, really heartbreaking to watch. And then having those two yeah, relationships um, comparatively was really interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that contrast between Kieran's family, um, not necessarily wanting to accept that their son has come back as a zombie, but they're more uh, accepting of him. Um, I think if you do watch the second season, they do start to get a little nervous about him starting to be more liberated and more free in his identity and who he is, um, not wearing his makeup as much and, you know, going around looking how he looks now as a, an undead person. But then comparing that to, to Rick and Bill's relationship where Bill just outright refuses to say, my son has come back as a zombie. I mean, he's this sort of terror within this community and he's he's this this figurehead that's causing this community to be so paranoid and so um aggressive and so violent towards pds sufferers coming back into the community um there's this horrible scene in the, at the end of the first episode where they find that someone's wife has come back and is living there and they you know he's he's hiding his wife and Bill comes and just murders her in plain blood. 
um, right out front of their house because they don't want any anyone different or any othered, any PDS sufferers in this community. And so it's very much talks about the hypocrisy of it when Bill's son comes back and, you know, they're just, everyone in the town's just meant to accept that, you know, Rick is back and, you know, no one can talk about the fact. And that's brought up by the one character who's, you know, a little bit of the goofy um, HVF member. And he's like, but he is a PDS sufferer. Like, why are we not, not saying that? But like, because they, they can't, because this man has this complete control over this society and makes it really a toxic environment. And obviously that doesn't turn out well for them or the family um, because when Rick has this coming out moment, which is coded, like you said, Neve coded for his coming out as being gay to his father, um, his hyper-masculine conservative father. Um, but it's really him coming out and saying, look, this is really who I am. I am a zombie. I'm an undead person. And he kills him because he just can't accept the fact that you know, that's who his son is. Um, and the thing is, he doesn't deal with that as, like, he doesn't deal with it up front. He doesn't deal with the consequences. The way he deals with it is when his wife comes back and she asks about Rick, he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen our son in 15 years or whatever, like he says. And it's it's just so, oh my God, it really got me. It's just so yeah. heartbreaking because he just so, he doesn't want to be involved in it. He's just in denial about it and doesn't, yeah, he doesn't confront it. Um, and his way of dealing with it is just getting rid of him as opposed to actually, you know, making steps to deal with it in some way. Even if that way was unhealthy, he just completely cancels it so he doesn't have to confront it in any way. I think the biggest irony is, like, the language we're using here is um, monsters and others against, uh, well, we didn't use this word, but I will, like, the normal English people. And they're so afraid of these the, the rotters, they call them the zombies, but it's, it's actually this, this dad who is far more of a threat to people's lives than the recovering PD, P, PDS. previous PDS <laughs> people. Um, and people kind of can't pro- process that because he looks normal. Nothing, nothing's changed, even though he probably has been this toxic person the whole time. It's not changed, so it's not a problem because it's still the status quo. Yeah, and I think that's really the core of what the show is trying to get at is just sticking to the status quo doesn't mean that it's right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're in this community that is very anti-PDS sufferers, that doesn't make it right to be that way and to buy into that ideology that everyone in your town is spewing. I, I kind of don't have a fleshed out idea, but I was wondering if anyone had any thoughts on kind of not the religious element but that the priest who's got a very big voice in the community and i think that's touched on a lot in the second season as well because you get into that idea of the the cults and you get into this idea of religion sort of being like this cult mentality um where you have the the humans who are so against the PDS sufferers because of their religion and what their religion says. And they follow this ideology that if once all of the PDS, the first risen are dead and then the next, the the pure will come back, you know, all of this other nonsense. And then on the flip side, you have the 
PDS sufferers who are part of this undead liberation army, whose cult leader is saying the same thing. You know, they're saying we have to kill the first risen in order to get more of us so that we can win this war. And it's just, you know, it just brings out this conversation of like how stupid, you know, cult ideologies are and how brainwashed you become. And especially with Kieran, because you have Kieran as this protagonist who's like in the middle of both of this. And he's just like, what is this? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't agree with either side of what's going on. I'm just going to, I have a second chance at life and I have the ability to control who I am now, you know, that I've had, a, I have a second chance and I'm going to do what I believe is right. And he doesn't buy into either of these ideologies that, you know, are being spewed at him, which I think is a really interesting way of addressing sort of you know, those extremist views in society. Hopefully you have enjoyed our brief discussion today. If you are interested in learning more about In the Flesh and our take on the series, you can visit our website to read my article on the show called Reassimilating the Other. If you are interested in contributing to our film and television blog, visit film-east.com forward slash submissions for more information. To learn more about Film East and the Young Film Programmers, visit our website, film-east.com, or follow us on any of our social media at films underscore east. Again, we're Film East, a Norwich-based young film programmers group supported by Real Connections and part of Film Hub Southeast and the BFI Fan Network.